Hey guys, this is Scott Wiseman with EP Adventures, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Stay tuned as you're going to hear a great interview with my friend Scott Hunter of Top 10%. For anyone that owns land, manages property, or just wants to see more deer, you want to stay tuned. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today is a really neat show for all of you that have land and want to manage it for quality bucks and any other wildlife that's living on there. Today, I'm lucky enough to touch base with Scott Hunter. Scott owns a company in Michigan here called Top 10%, teaches people how to really improve their land. And Scott, how are you doing today? Very good, Jason. Thank, thank you for having me. apologize. We're on the road traveling with my son, actually. He's doing the driving. Kind of set the tone for what we're filming this year is called uh, Year of Management. And even with all the busy life, this is how things kind of move. We, we got to always keep moving. So we're pretty excited to get this in with you and make time with you and make sure that we keep the schedule. This is a family business, and it's got yourself, Scott, your spouse, Ricky, and your son, Kyle. For everybody listening, tell them what Top 10% is. What does Top 10% do for a landowner if they contact you? Well, let me start with the, with the beginning of, of Top 10%. It started with my son wanting to get into the filming industry came to me and we started out filming, never really found a direction, how we wanted to film and what we wanted to do. Then two years ago, we found the direction of, let's try to incorporate what we do in our daily life of how we shoot bigger bucks, mature bucks. I like to use the word mature, not trophy, bigger, but mature animals. So top 10% was a little bit easier to present to people of trying to get them to incorporate shooting the top 10% of what they have to offer on their farm. So it's each person that we deal with or that we meet is at a different level. So we can read that level. So if somebody's brand new to deer management, they haven't done no QDM or any kind of management, it's really easy to present the idea of, okay, if you got seven eight points on camera, seven spike horns and seven six points, it's pretty easy to say your top 10% is going to be in that eight-point range. And maybe, you know, even a seven point or, you know, maybe one of them six at the higher end of what you have. You challenge yourself to shoot one of those deer and you, you brought in your top 10% each year because you move a age class up each year. More, more deer meets re- reaching maturity. Got it. So in a lot of deer management, there's a lot of people that expose shoot does, shoot does, you know, get the doe numbers down let the bucks walk. What do you think about that? In Michigan, we have been on a philosophy of no doe harvest on a lot of our farms. And we really deter our clients from shooting does. And the reason for is we're not same caliber as Texas, even Kansas, and even Kentucky. We have small parcels of land. We got 10 acres, 15 acres, 40 acres, 80 acres small tracts of land and you probably got three guys hunting each track of land and you probably only got about 10 percent 
of the hunters in that block that are practicing shooting mature animals. They're going to fill your quota of doe harvest year after year after year. They don't take the same practice, and that deer herd is following that whole block track. So there's three guys in that area, three guys in that area, in that area, that area. Those three shoot three does. Those guys shoot two does. Those guys shoot three does. They shoot three does. Now that herd of 20 down to uh, probably four or five mature does, matriarch does. It is our goal wherever we go to take those matriarch does and suck them into the prime habitat that we create. And they bring us more deer, more chances of shooting a buck. More does, more baby bucks. More baby bucks, more chance of bucks reaching maturity. Any philosophy on shooting spiked deer? If, if you know in a small piece of property you're seeing that same deer a few years out and he's a spike, do you believe in taking that deer out? I don't take that philosophy of saying that's a genetically bad deer. We have proof that a spike point could turn into something. I shot in 2014, a, a net 172-inch buck we called Wavy Brow. We're 90% sure Wavy Brow was a spike horn from trail cam pictures we had. He had an infection on his lip, and it actually got bigger and bigger. So at age five and a half or six and a half, when we harvested him, it was still the same there. That was a spike horn. That was his first rack. His second rack, we believe, was 125-inch, 11 point. Third rack was probably 150 10 point with a drop time. Fourth rack was again 11 point in the 150s, high 150s. And then he blew up to high 170s and then netting Boone Crockett at 172. Wow. That was a spike horn. If I'm listening to this show and I'm a landowner, is there a minimum size piece of property you like to work with? 10 acres and above, 50 acres and above? You know, we will work with five acres, three acres, right on up to tracks of 6,000. We did a track of 6,000 acres last year in Kentucky. Put a lot of time and work and effort into it, and it's, it's a process every year where we go up and do the food plots, stuff and things up there. Then we have parcels that could be only three acres where we're just going for a one-day consultation, set up a plan, help help with a plan of how we would hunt that three acres as if it was my three acres to hunt. And we want to help hunters harvest mature whitetails. We want to be able to give them the knowledge that was passed on to me that I passed on to my son. My son has now become our leader, basically, of setting up a lot of our farms. He's brought a lot of innovation in with trail cameras that I wasn't used to using as much as he does. So we never stop learning. Even at my age, I'm 46, and I never stop learning. He's 20, and he's teaching me things that I never knew about. Oh, cool. We don't claim to be the end-all of end-all game plans, but we do practice what we preach and what we do works. It's worked in Michigan. It's worked in Indiana. It's worked in Kentucky. It's worked in Illinois. Pretty much any state we've been into, we've turned our properties around and harvested the best deer pretty much in a four-mile area. And I feel like we could do that anywhere we go. So realistically, somebody contacts you, whether they have a one- or two-acre piece of property up to a thousands of acres, you can consult with them to say, well, here's where I place my stand, here's where I place a feeder, or here's where I place a scent or something, maybe a small food plot. Yeah, we, we can consult and we can do the work. Uh, we have a, a pro staff. I don't like to use pro staff. We have a rep staff that's increased. I have a young guy named Jay Flint from Emily City has been working with me, and Brandon Hammond has been working with me. And we have some food plot installers that we work with, and now we're incorporated with Horny Bucks Feed 
out of Wisconsin. And Doug is one of the biggest innovators of seed and germination. He puts the best seed out. My the weakest point that we had at the company was our food plot seed. I, I'm not an expert, not a farmer, not even an expert deer hunter. I'm just a lucky deer hunter that got knowledge passed on to me. And now I'm getting knowledge passed on into our food plot business, backed up by somebody that can say, I know the test, I know the germination count, I know everything you need to know on the next time you have a soil sample, I'll have it done. So we've increased our inventory of tractors. Uh, we just put two Kubotas on, two brand new ones. Uh, we, we're, we're ready. Michigan has changed a lot of the laws, so food plots are going to be a huge essential role to give deer the groceries that they're going to need throughout every season. You know, a lot of people depended, depended on being able to put supplement feed out during the winter and during the springtime to get them the minerals. A lot of that's going to be taken away in 2019 in Michigan. So we've gone out and upped our inventory so that we can try to help get the food Okay, so and what you're talking about for folks that might not be in the state, uh, state of Michigan, is in an effort to, or maybe even overreaction, depending on what your viewpoint is, the concern for what is a chronic wasting disease. They want to eliminate supplemental feeding, like bait stations and things of that nature. Bait station, mineral stations, and. We've done a lot of research on mineral, and we believe put a, a great blend, blend of mineral out that helps not only with the fox antler size, but the nutrients for the doe that passes on to the fawn and gives the fawn a little bit of an increase. That's being taken away. That's not an option. You know, the state of Michigan has their reasoning for it. That's just We just know it's not an option. So we're going to do our best, make sure that we can increase our food plot industry and keep moving forward with it. So you're working with horny buck seed out of Wisconsin. Correct. So you can take a sample, a soil sample, send that off to them, and they can they can modify up a seed packet that's better set to that soil level of whether whatever they've put in, you know, the seeds clover, rutabaga, uh parsnip, whatever they're wanting to put, they can tell you what's gonna grow best in that soil. Absolutely. Doug is amazing. The quality of work that he's put out. I, I sent him some soil samples, and within two days, I had a response. Um, he sent packets that I put the soil into, sent it to him, he puts it in, and he tells me exactly what that soil needs for the best germination of that food plot. You get that food plot so my customers get the best food plot and money paid for. And, you know, you spend a lot of money on your fertilizer and your seed, and you want to have a good food plot that produces a lot of groceries for the, for the deer. As the concern for chronic wasting disease increases, whatever side of the fence you sit on, um, it, it doesn't really matter because if the if your local state Department of Natural Resources says you can't do something, your only option really is to go in and start putting food plots. That's the way I, I see it right now, Jason. Uh, you know, the laws are the laws. They break the laws, they're going to write you a ticket. So not an option to put out mineral or feet. Your next option is to track deer in our food plot. Yeah, it's not worth losing your hunting rights. Right. The other option that we've always developed and we, we were really and we're really still a strong opponent of what we do is we create habitat that is a natural habitat which creates brand new browse and lots of cover. Southern Michigan the key to holding mature bucks and keeping bucks around are being able to get the best places for those to have their fawns, 
razor farm, and they'll kick young bucks out. You got to have spots where those young bucks will go into the bachelor group, and you got to be able to work your farm in almost like five different stages. And you could do this with a 40-acre parcel, a 30-acre, even a 20-acre. Did it in Emily City with a 20-acre where the does got 10, 10 acres of a prime habitat for them. You won't get a single buck picture over there. On the other seven acres, my, my client, actually, he's, he's one of my, my guys, Jay, on his 20-acre track, he gets nothing but daylight pictures of about seven different bucks. This is all happening on 20 acres. They won't intermingle until that cycle kicks in where it's free range for everybody. And the does will start working and change that property around. Last year, he killed the biggest buck of his life on that property. And this year, he's got even bigger bucks on show camera there. You've got to understand the food plots are not. Food plots have to be implemented for the kill zone and to draw deer through your, what we call, trap line. We set trap lines strategically so that we can get into our stand sight unseen and smell unseen. Number one priority to be able to access your property. If, they, if you can't access, they know they're being hunted a whole buck. If you're not going to kill that buck on a regular basis, you're going to hope to sit on a bucket and hope somebody drives it by you. That's not how we, we like to hunt. We like to have the full advantage on the deer. You'll go in and look at a piece of property, topography, food sources, water sources, uh, any existing rubs that may be there, cover, and you'll just work the whole piece of property and tell them, this is how they should set up stands. This is where they should set up, if possible, maybe a water source, if they have the resources to put a pond in. Is all that stuff you'll do? Exactly. Yeah, we go in and we want to not only give our clients the best possible scenario for white-tailed deer, because that's pretty much what our clients are looking for. Some want to have some better turkey habitat. Well, when we get down that habitat, number one priority is we don't want to lose no value for that piece of property. We don't want to gain value. So we, we assess the trees right off the get. There's value in the trees. We know which ones we are. We, we take pride in knowing that we're not just going to come in and, and level a bunch of trees that are valuable. Number one priority, we take an assessment on the value of the property, trees, cropland that put money into some our clients' pocket. Secondly, we take what we can turn without losing that value, but to add to that value, where can we add cover? Where do we add cover and how do we utilize that cover to put deer out of sight for when we enter the hunting track. So I'm trying to move deer to where they can't see me when I'm coming in to hunt. I'm not a big fan. I'm putting up smoking gun um, brush that grows eight feet tall. Deer deer don't like it. Big big old bucks in our state do not like that stuff. You start manipulating it like that, then they, they get deterred. You got to naturally work with what they've been doing year after year. And that's where I feel like we got the best team possible because we could breed a piece of property from what the deer were already doing for year after year after do what they've been taught to do and the way they've been taught to look and know when you're hunting because the old doe will, will, will teach her fawns that's a tree stand i know they do it and we want to take those areas and change them and manipulate them without the deer knowing that we just totally restructured their property and they start to feel more comfortable with the hunter being there they don't feel as pressured take pressure out it's a whole new whole new game you get to see you know bucks interact and fight get three four mature bucks on their feet during daylight you know you get a hunt like that it changes everybody's perspective of hunting they, they get so addicted they want more of it well and for anybody that's in the state of michigan there you know as an example the whole most of the southern part of the state is farmland and there are some big deer here you've just got to as you said manipulate the property 
to get them to either stop being a nighttime deer or to or to stay around because of the the more mature does you've got you know where they can get a chance before they go full-on crazy rut right we do everything possible to make sure that we not only get to learn every piece of aspect about that land, we'll pull up all the information from the neighbors that we possibly can. So even to the point where I'm I'm getting in my client before I even get there to kind of keep an ideal day. Everybody has an ideal of what their neighbor is doing. 90% of my clients, the first thing they do is they walk me right back to the border and show me their neighbor's stand. And then that's the the quickest way for me to get an observation of going, okay, I got two neighbors that are coming right to the back of the property. They're pretty much forcing deer right out of their property every time they hunt. They're so worried about what that neighbors are doing. They don't forget, they forget about their game plan. So it can happen. And even during the wild pullout rut, that goes always coming back to where she feels most comfortable. And that buck is coming to breed that doe where he feels most comfortable. A lot of times you'll see a big buck standing in a middle open field that's one mile by one mile, one, one mile, hovering over a doe. That's because he don't want nobody else to get at that doe. And he wants to feel the safest where he can see another buck coming from a long way. We create those pockets into our farm to where a buck could take, call it like the hotel room chamber where he could feel pushing a doe into and then know he'll be in there for two to three days trying to breed that doe. Then he's going to move on. He don't have to move far because we've been holding them does. They don't have to move very far at all. We're hunting those rooms. We're edging in and out of those rooms. And we usually try to get those trap corridors where they come from, going to the doe and then head back to that room. Never failed us. No matter where we've gone, Ohio, we put it together. We know the windows. We can go there and we're going to kill a buck. We're probably going to kill the top. 3% 3% block off that farm. That's a 400 acre farm. And you're not just talking the talk. You actually walked it. Uh, tell the folks a little about the Boone and Crockett deer that you've taken. All free range. None of these are high fence deer. No high fence deer. We shot, well, we have killed, I've been very, very blessed for the last four seasons to shoot two Boone and Crockett on film. My son filmed the first one, and I filmed the second one in a solo hunt. These are avenues of, we didn't know these deer were Boone and Crockett, but we knew they were older, mature deer. We set our goal to four and a half. Twelve years ago, I set that goal. I did, personally, because I was a fanatic about chasing bigger deer, and it was getting harder and harder to find them. So I had to have a plan. And now that we got into all this stuff, it made it even harder because we had to do it on film, but we're not shooting the four and a half no more. We've stepped our game up to five and a half, six and a half. And not all deer will make it. At last year, I shot a six and a half year old buck, and I think he scored 130, 131. But he was still six and a half. He was just as much of a trophy to me as that five and a half year old that I shot with that he was 173. The trophy is in, in the chess match with a, with a mature whitetail. We still get super pumped up and crazy when we can get on a older deer that, you know, range of five and a half, six and a half. And the biggest deer that we, we still talk about is the deer that we knew was eight and a half. And I fumbled the ball and didn't get the camera turned around in time. And we didn't get to shoot that deer and ended up passing on the year, year later. He never made it. So nobody ever harvested him. He was the one that got away. But eight and a half, six and a half, seven and a half, that's, that's, that's the goal. That's where we're at with some of our farms. But, you know, you, if you start, if you've been used to shooting one and a half to two and a half year old deer, you up your ante up to three and a half, you just progress a little bit further into your management system. That kind of falls back on the top 10%. There's ground in upper peninsula that doesn't equal lower peninsula, and then there's lower peninsula that doesn't equal southern Michigan. And we want 
all of our clients to be successful. We want to manage, hunt, harvest. And we emphasize the harvest because it is, it's still hunting. It's not just the trophy. And we've been blessed with some trophies, but still the hunt. We, we enjoy the hunt as much as ever since day one. So if I'm sitting out there and I'm not in the state of Michigan, but I'm listening to the show right now and I'm, you know, out at your website, which is top10percentdeermanagement.com. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes. So you can go right to the show notes and click and you'll, you'll jump right to their website. But if I'm sitting out in Iowa or Illinois or Missouri and I'm hearing about, well, Michigan this and Michigan that, how do I apply it? Will you go to Iowa to work with somebody if they contact you? We've worked out of Kentucky, Missouri, Illinois, Ohio. Yes, we would travel to Iowa. We are set up. Last year, we were set up to, to travel well, and this year, here, moving forward, we're taking clients right now, booking them for January, right on through, right on to food plot season, right through spring, right on through the fall. So we travel, and we're built to travel. That was the one thing. I came from an industry, and I still do this industry, of expediting. I work for one of the delivery companies, and, you know, I'm a, a contractor, so it taught me one thing. You need to be able to expedite your business quickly and efficiently, meaning be available for your clients. Working with Doug has really broadened our horizon. That's one thing that we don't have to focus on is creating food plot lines. We, we, we have a partner that handles that whole section. We have equipment to move equipment, so we have equipment on one job, we'll move it to another job. I have four or five guys that do our trees, you know, different companies that if we're going to have a client harvest the trees, we got timber companies that we work with and they go wherever we need them to go or they call the people we need to go. And we're we're not afraid to expedite our business, keep the cost lower and keep it moving. But always the ultimate plan comes from me and my son. So each and every property gets set by me and my son. Very cool. So I'm sitting, like I said, in Iowa, Indiana, Ohio, and I have a, let's say instead of a smaller track, let's go a larger track. I've, I've acquired the old family farm or a hundred acres, 150 acres. I know there's deer on there, but they travel, you know, there's a lot of small parcels around me as well. So there's a ton of hunting pressure. I can call you, you can come in, you're going to know the lumber that's on there, trees to remove, trees to keep how to restructure the forage, how to restructure the cover, to not freak the deer out and run them out, but actually to keep them on the property. Is So I'm assuming you can do anything from where to place a simple climber tree stand to one of the more one of the more substantial stands where you sit in it with windows and, and the whole nine yards. Absolutely. We, we'll, cover the, we'll cover it from start to finish. And we're first and foremost, we're going to ask a series of questions. Your goal, what are you trying to meet? and your expectations. And if I feel like I can't meet a client's expectation, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right from the get. I can't meet your expectations. I'm not afraid to say this job's not for me because I don't want to waste somebody's time. You know, it just takes one bad report or one one bad report back of saying, Oh this guy, you know, he told me to do this and this and this. I don't succeed on it. So sometimes it's brutally honest or like if you call me in and, and I, I get there and I I can hundred percent that the area has never produced a deer past 150 and you tell me you want to shoot 180 inch bucks every year i can say this job is unexpectable i can't i can't help you I'm, i can't you know if it's 20 years of history that you've never this area has never produced a deer in the 180s but one you know i i'm i'm real honest about keeping things expectation to the top 10 percent of 
for your area to produce. And and that's why we don't emphasize or try to have big heads about, wow, we shot this big giant deer. We're so lucky. Well, we, we got some of the best hunting areas in, in the state, some in Ohio and some in Indiana. We're fortunate. So that we, we try to keep the expectation real. And if we commit to the job, we're going to do the job from start to finish, and we're going to make sure that our client is absolutely in love with what we did. Well, that's the way it should be. That's that's what keeps you with a reputation and the reputation you want to keep is making sure that, you know, you're not taking the unrealistic clients and you're working with the folks that actually understand what you're doing. Correct. And we want it to be a network. We want, we like to build our network. We like word of mouth. We don't, we try not to dive too much into advertisement, boasting and doing all these wild and crazy things. We just try to practice what we preach. And, and do good jobs for our clients, and, and usually that's kept our place full. We believe it's, it's going to continue being that way. So generally, on a piece of property, when if you're if you're preaching the top ten percent, and you come in, never having had a food plot before, not sure, you know, just a few trail cameras thrown up, you're going to show me how to restructure everything, and then over the next, I'm guessing, two to three seasons, we should start to see a change in the type and quality of deer. Absolutely, absolutely. You're you're gonna see you're gonna see more deer. You're gonna have better hunt. Quality is better than quantity. That's that's the way we've hunted. We try to hunt smarter, and we try to pass that on to our clients. So it's not just the restructure of your piece of property. I've run into a lot of people that that want me to come out, assess them a thing, and then they Google how to hinge cut or Google how to do this, how to do that. Well, they they missed out on the most important thing that they hired me for. That was my knowledge. That was my Go ahead and give me a call on got a southeast wind. I know your property. I was on it. I saw it. I still, from the very first property we did and the very farms that we're working on right now, I know the set. I got the details and I know the wind. It, this is something that I didn't, I, it got handed down to me. Somebody worked with me. I had a mentor that said, this is the thing that you're looking for. This is what I do to shoot bigger deer. He's a better hunter than me. So when he talked, I shut up. I listened. And when I, I when I listened, to other people, I meet some people. I've met some great people. When they start talking about deer hunting, I'm picking up every little aspect I can get from them. And that's part of the knowledge of somebody that's been to the dance multiple times. So somebody that put a Google blog out and the biggest buck they shot in their life was 110 inches. He's never been eye to eye with a six-year-old buck in a situation where you're 18 yards from him. And you won't get, you know, you got to still harvest that animal. That's part of what we pass on is to make our set accessible so that animal has no clue that it, you know, he's, he's going to be harvested. Takes the pressure off of knowing that you've got a good, clean set where you're not going to get boogered up. Well, and there's a there's a lot of good land to work with. It's finding the, the right person that wants to do that, that habitat improvement. Do you ever work with anybody that's got a, like they're putting in a high fence ranch? Have you ever worked with somebody where you're helping them set up blinds and food plots? To, to actually do it as a business and not just the, for the love of it? No, we, we work with an outfitter. We've been an installer for an outfitter before where we came in and helped with some of the sets and some of the properties, and, and we still work with that outfitter, and we go down and set up some food plots and keep moving forward on, on, on some things with them. I've talked to some other outfitters that we, we're going to talk to more in January, and they're, they're for business, but I always caution myself with getting too deep into that. That's not my passion. My passion is more for the for the chase of, you know, for the everyday 
guys that, that, you know, nothing wrong with outfitting. If you got one week off and you want to get with a good outfitter and you don't have 365 days a year to, you know, to put into deer hunting like we do, and you got five days to hunt, you don't have a very good piece of farm to hunt. Maybe you don't even own a farm. Sometimes an outfitter is the best way to go to try to get that information so we pass it on to our, our fans or even our um, clients. Say it's a great outfitter. He'll take care of you. You're going to eat well, and you're going to see great deer. You're going to see quality deer. And he don't overhunt his stand. First one that comes to mind is Francis Whitfall from Rose Holler. He's a guy that when he talks about hunting, I listen. Comes from the hills. He knows these deer. He knows turkeys. He can talk like a turkey. He can talk like a deer. Any song you want to hear in the woods, he can make it. Guy's just amazing. And he keeps his pressure real low for his clients. So I could recommend a guy like him because he follows the same philosophy I do. Low, low, low pressure. As far as myself getting involved and, you know, trying to just set up other people's stuff, it's just the same thing. It's their goals and, and, and what we're capable of doing for them. Tweets their own on their properties, and that's, you know, that's the first initial consultation. What what are your goals? I need to know. So I could say, yeah, I can help you, or no, I'm not going to be able to help you. So, and you mentioned Ghost Holler Whitetails, which is in Kentucky. I'll have a link to that as well. Also, if you go to, uh, for anybody listening, if you go to Scott's website, he's got a link to Ghost Holler as well. So, uh, neat. If you're looking for a Kentucky deer or turkey hunt, uh, it looks like he might have some really nice deer. Oh, yeah. He's very passionate about making sure his clients see deer each and every set. And that's, he takes very limited hunters. And that's, that's our philosophy is pressure. We're coming in to alleviate pressure and give you the best access to your property. Number one, number two, no pressure. Number one, if you don't have access, if you can't access, you're not chilling the top 10%. It's, it's, it's a crapshoot then because they, they know you're there. Interesting. So we've got you, your wife, and your son. You all hunt. Uh, you've, you've taken to the filming it in the last few years on top of doing the top 10%, which is the land management packages you can provide for people. Tell us a little bit about some of your your gear setup, because I get a lot of questions from people about hearing, when, when they hear these different stories and the, the deer you take, they want to know a little bit about the equipment that you use. And I do see that you guys all shoot prime bows, which is right over here by me in, uh, what is that, Memphis, Michigan. Correct. We shoot all T5 broadheads and all prime bows. We spend so much time doing land management and so much time inventory and, and running around and doing all this what we call this year for our filming this year is dedicated to the year of management it is a full year-round job so when it comes to our bows we want the best hunting bow on the market and we've shot other bows and this is the bow that we have had no issues with the synergy fantastic the logic fantastic the ion fantastic all great bows and they keep getting better every year and the, for the broadheads Everybody knows the Montec. Everybody knows the dead meat. Everybody knows the G5 quality of their broadhead. So performance from your stuff, you're working so hard on all this other stuff. You don't want to have an equipment failure at that moment. And our whole team, I, I think we shot probably 25 big game animals last year. And I was the only one to make a gut shot. And that deer only went 150 yards. We found that deer. All the other deer went down within 45 yards. And then the elk, my son shot 45 yards. The stag that he shot, 45 yards. 
uh, unbelievable broadhead, best broadhead we've ever ever shot. And we don't get paid by them. We don't get anything like that. We shoot it because it's the best. That's what we found out. That's the best equipment we could use. As far as our farming equipment, we use Kubota, John Deere, steel chainsaws. Always keep the oil changed on all the equipment. Do the maintenance. It, it's number one priority, just like your car. If you don't maintain your car, you're going to have a breakdown. So if it's every 10 hours, you got to grease it. we got to grease it every 10 hours. And do you use one of these mapping software packages for when you go up to a property so you can get a, a look at what the border is and look at what the property lines are? Hunt, Hunt X. Was it Hunt X? I don't have that app. I have an app on my phone, and then Brandon, team member Brandon Hammond's, um, he, he got a set up on, I think it's Hunt, Hunt, I can't, Hunt Onyx, I believe is what it, what it got a set up on. But, yeah, we, we use those to make sure that we got boundary lines. And I, I asked for survey marks. When I'm on a piece of property for a client, um, I never want to be stepping over to somebody else's piece of property. You know, these are the things I ask for before I even get there. I apologize. It's pouring down rain. We're going down the road. No problem. I'm just on the other side of the state from you, and it's been dark clouds, so it's all good. So you've got great partners with Prime. Uh, you're, you're picking up, as you said, not only great bows, but also fantastic broadheads. Uh, you know, you've got... Clients in Kentucky, like with Ghost Holler and Brandon Hammond, and with his contacts through his podcast, you guys really have quite the uh, quite the setup that you can come into a property and really just completely just map it out and change opposite of what that um, what that person was doing on their property beforehand. I'd like to say that we're going to change everything around, and it's always for the benefit. Uh, try not to come off too conceited, but we really, really put out a foolproof plan. We pride ourselves in, in doing the work. We don't pass the buck. We don't try to sell buck beds, dough beds, snake oil stuff. It's right down to the nitty gritty. You've got to be able to access your property and you have to be able to lower the pressure. And you want to learn that stuff from somebody that's done it year after year after year after year. That We, we really stand behind what we do. We, we not only do it, we practice what we preach. So we don't stop learning. And we don't ever stop passing what we learned down. You've got to be a better hunter. Just because you went out and bought a bunch of stuff don't mean you're going to be a better hunter. And it's going to automatically shoot big bucks into your area. The, the knowledge is one of the most important things. So that's the one thing I do see a lot of is a lot of people hiring consultants that have never shot a deer past 110 inches. It would be like me saying, I'm going to go hire um, the lady at the subway stand to do my taxes. I don't, it just blows my mind. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I was just kind of thinking it's almost like saying you want to get a suit altered and going down to the used car dealership because the guys wear suits. Exactly. They, 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 might wear, they might wear them, but they, they don't practice the altering of them. We get in there. We've got that property management. We're hoping two to three seasons in of really letting the deer walk, letting them grow, and hopefully by having the right setup, keeping them on the property so they don't stray too far you'll start to see a, a change in the, the look and type of deer that you're getting. You're willing to travel all over uh, to help folks and to set up. And, and the best bet is for them to start off a phone consultation with you, I would think. Correct. Just start with a phone consultation, and then we'll set up an allocated time for me to walk the property, and then we set up a game plan, put everything in writing, and we move forward with the game plan. Great. And you have a phone number list on your website, which is, I believe, your cell phone here at 734 
717-1862. Is that the best number for people to contact you at? Yeah, that's my everything number. That's the, that's the best way. So they can step right in and you can you can literally walk them from how to set up everything on their property, put in food plots, and if they don't want to do it, they can actually hire you and, and your consultancy to manage everything for them. Where, like you said, if it's a guy that owns a piece of property, but he's only got six, eight days a year to maybe get out and hunt, he's got to sacrifice something. And that sacrifice would come in the, the management of his property that he turned over to you. He's out there for the experience of just hunting that deer. Exactly. We want to provide that service. We want to provide that service to the guy that could actually go out and help and do some of the stuff and, and work it. We want to be able to provide that service to the guy that has absolutely no time. And most importantly, we feel so much better about our position to, to cover everything now. We have built our company from the inside out to make sure that our infrastructure could cover what my mouth said. The partnership with us, I was not going to get my soul self fully in, engulfed into food plots saying that I got the end all of end all. I'll do your food plots and I'm going to make sure when you carry somebody in your pocket that's a farmer and has been in the industry and can pull seed, that's what they'll have to do and it's good seed. 99.9% germination rate from the state of Wisconsin in an audit. This guy is the best in the industry. And he talks food plots. I'm all in. Broad in our experience to be able to go out and give, give out and say, okay, we can handle that portion now. We can order direct. We could have everything perfectly set. And we're not going to, we don't have to sell food plot seed into your game plan because you might not need a food plot. If I get to your farm and you're covered up with soybean, alfalfa, corn, and a rotation from your farmer, you're not going to hear me say, man, I need 10 food plots in here because I got it on my bag. I got a top 10% bag that says top 10% food plot. Not going to oversell a job. I'm going to do it as if it was my property, period. If I would do this, this is what I'm going to do on my property. I'm not, not going to expend my wallet on some false bags or false advertisements saying you need 10 food plots to go for every 20 acres. I forget the analogies I've heard from other people but it's the furthest thing from the truth number one access number two pressure uh, i'll always fall back to that and that's what i've been taught over and over repeatedly from other people that killed way more bigger bucks than me and consistently even up with you know i got a i got a good friend uh mentor he's in his 60s and the man still goes out there and shoots giant white tail from the ground. Don't matter. I, I don't want him hunting next week because he's going to shoot a bigger buck. He don't brag about it or nothing. And I was fortunate enough to get the experience and talk to him and see some of his sets and watch how he sets up. He's he's constantly year-round hunting them deer. We pass that experience on to our clients. So if anybody wants to get in touch with Scott, you can either contact him via his phone number of 734-717-1862 by email at top10percent16@gmail.com, at gmail.com, uh, or use the co- easiest would be the contact us form right on the top 10% website. And he'll be able to call you. I'll have links to all of this in the show notes. He'll be able to set everything up and come out and either uh, review the property or tell you what the next steps are in, in hiring top 10% to show you what you really can gain by getting those deer and letting, the, letting them walk, letting them age. Correct. Our phone number is there. Like Jason said, Jason, we thank you so much for the time, and uh, it's been great talk with you. 
No, I thank you. It was it was great to have you carve out the time. I know you guys are busier than heck, especially with uh, archery season coming up. So uh, I really appreciate the time. I think this is great to have land management practices put into place and really get those big deer. The, the, this state and many states have the opportunity to grow the big deer. You've just got to put that little extra ability in there to let them grow. I, I want to add one more thing before we hang up. Yes, sir. The statement say you could buy a combo tag in the state of Michigan, or you could buy 10 Dobermans. You don't have to. You could buy one tag for one buck. You don't have to buy 10 doe tags, but they say you could buy 10. Michigan hunters really, really have to step up their knowledge of what's going on with the CWC thing and all these new changes. I've just seen it too many times where hunting was phenomenal in some areas and doe harvest has went through the roof and it still hasn't come back to this day. Some of these areas I don't think will ever come back. And I don't want to see that happen to my son's children or his children. It's still about hunting. And that's one of the things that we like to cover top 10% is you don't have to shoot 20 deer because it's legal. Shoot what you can teach your family. We're all about the meat. Love the meat, but we're not going to shoot. If, if we got to buy a little bit of chicken one year, we don't mind buying a little bit of chicken if the, the deer numbers are down. We don't. We don't mind it. Harvest what we believe is the appropriate numbers and hunt the way we like to hunt. And if we pass that knowledge on to some somebody, give us a call. We we'd love to come help out and, and, and get you going and shoot the top ten percent. Great. That sounds like a great plan. Taking those top ten percent of deer and. Again, I know you're headed out for a, another client to work with, so I really appreciate your time. Tell Kyle good luck with uh, his filming, and I look forward to talking to you guys in the future. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure. You guys take care and have a great day. You too. Thanks. Come early spring, it's getting green Fisher on the bed and Hear those turkeys gobble It's ringing in my head The winter rise bass boat Here comes another year Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Oh, we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on the creek bank Kick back a couple beers yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks Lots of tender deer 
Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors